great to see all of you. All right, 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy, good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. It's not only you, Goliath. I'm going for you folks. And the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. Amen. You know this story. I want to preach a message today entitled, Our Champion. Our Champion. If you'll bow your heads, I want to pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your word, for your goodness. I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak. You would anoint us to hear. And, God, you would change some lives today. And for this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. (coughs) The seed thought for this message comes from Louis Giglio. He started the Passion Movement, Passion City Church, Six Steps Records, a lot of music we do at LifePoint comes from artists he's promoted through the years. And what I'm going to share with you today is so powerful, I believe it has the potential to radically alter your walk with God, revolutionize it, as a matter of fact. So fasten your seatbelts because we are going somewhere today. I'd like to start it out by talking about sports, though. I mean, if we're going to have some fun, if we're going to have to fasten our seatbelts, let's bring sports into the equation. There are some athletes who rise above the rest. In most sports, when you have an athlete who's big and fast and has good coaches, is well-trained, well, you have something special. And when that athlete gets some experience and they mature as a player, they become Lethal. In the NFL, there's a guy named Cam Newton. He is, and there's like moans and groans, and I get it. He's 6'5 and 245 pounds. 6'5, 245. And the more experience this kid gets, the more lethal he becomes. In Major League Baseball, there is my man. Aaron Judge, look. That's a that's a real legit picture. That's a, a Gartner. Yeah, he listen. Aaron is six seven, 
and 282 pounds. He's, he's massive. We saw him play in Houston at the game that Hyphen went to. In the NBA via LSU, we all remember this monster, Shaquille O'Neal. Look, that's him and Chris Christie. I think I've got another picture. This is him and Kevin Hart. Look at that. <laughs> he was a staggering 7 1, 325, wore a size 22 shoe. Now, all of these athletes were, or they are, feared by their opponents, hard to contain, dangerous because they're huge, they're fast, they're well trained, and they are filled with experience and becoming more so, virtually unstoppable. Now in our story is this fellow named Goliath, a giant. Most sources say he's nine feet tall, but there are some ancient sources that depending on the size of a cubit put him at 10 or 11 or upwards of 13 feet tall. You put the numbers together, he had to weigh in the neighborhood at least of four, five, six hundred pounds. He was big, athletic, well-trained, and he had a lot of experience on the battlefield. His spear was two and a half inches in diameter, two and a half, like a tetherball pole. Uh, massive. His, his spear had to be probably ten feet long or so weighed 25 pounds or more. The point of his spear, we know, weighed 15 pounds. His body armor alone was 120 pounds. His helmet was an additional 15 or 20 pounds. He was a warrior among warriors, the greatest of his time. He was his ally's greatest hope and his enemy's greatest fear, their worst nightmare. Now, on this side of the story, it is so easy to criticize Saul and his armies. We say they should have trusted God. We say they should have taken down this giant. They had what it took. I mean, the children of the Israel had a history with giants. They had been burned before. It was because of giants that they chickened out from entering into the promised land. That infamous failure at Kadesh Barnea in Numbers 14. They ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of that. And they surely wanted to avenge that failure. They did not want to repeat it. And you know what? They at least had showed up to the battlefield this time. But there was something different about this giant. In Numbers 14, they would have faced those giants as an army, all together. But in 1 Samuel 17, they were prepared to face him as an army, but Goliath threw them a curveball. He came to them in a way they did not expect, and it knocked them off their game. This was a new and improved giant. This was a giant who had an innovation. He said, send me a man that we can fight one-on-one, mano-a-mano, 
hand-to-hand combat. No holds barred, winner takes all. It was different. It was a different kind of challenge. It was a new strategy. And the terms of the battle were shifted. Not army to army, but man to man. And Goliath was big and ugly. You know, it said he resented David because one of the reasons he was good looking. That must mean Goliath was ugly, right? And he resented. He resented David for being good looking. So Goliath was big, ugly, He was a monster. And in the natural, defeating Goliath one-on-one was an absolute impossibility. No wonder Saul and his men ran back to their tents, jumped in their beds, pulled the covers over their heads, and started sucking their thumbs. They were terrified. They didn't know what to do. There was no way Saul or anyone in his army could have beaten Goliath. It was impossible. Now, I know David did defeat Goliath, but he wasn't part of Saul's army. Hang on, we'll get there. But let me touch base on something you've heard me say over and over before. The Bible is a Jesus book. That's what this is. Jesus said, he said to the Pharisees and scribes, he said, search the Scriptures For in them you think you have eternal life, and they're they which testify of me. The scriptures testify of Jesus. The first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1, 1-3 says the same thing in a different way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And the very last verse in the Bible is about Jesus. Revelation twenty-two twenty-one: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So the first verse in the Bible is about Jesus. The last verse in the Bible is about Jesus. It begins and ends with Jesus. The Alpha, the Omega, everything in between, every word in the book is telling the story of Jesus. With that in mind, in the story of David and Goliath, I've always tended to see myself as David. Haven't you? I'm like that underdog. I'm that person that's overlooked, underrated. People don't expect much out of him. But, oh, I've been touched by God, and I'm going to take down the giants in my life. I've always seen myself as the underdog facing the giants. But today... In all honesty, I'd like to propose a different way of looking at this story. And once you see this, let me warn you, it's hard to unsee. Here's the deal. We may say we're David, but the truth is, when we face giants in the past, a lot of times we've acted more like the armies of Saul. I mean, if you get down to the nitty-gritty and you get honest about it, we've been filled with terror and fear. I mean, we signed up to be in the Lord's army. We used to sing that song. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never. You know that song, Ann? You don't know that. Jane, you know that song. Some of you know that song. You grew up in Sunday school singing that song, maybe. I'm in the Lord's army. We signed up to get in the Lord's army. And we heard stories about the battlefield and, and, and 
you know, the, the glories of, of, of coming against the enemy and seeing the Lord do great things. But when we ourselves, when we actually got on the battlefield and to began to encounter giants, it ended up being nothing like we thought it would be like. That giant singled us out and we felt isolated and so small. I'm talking about giants we never thought we would face, like, like giants of loss and lack and addiction. And we're like, are you kidding me? Am I struggling with this? And sickness and divorce and brokenness, depression, insecurity, inferiority, those things are giants. Do you hear what I'm saying? And they're overwhelming sometimes, and we don't feel like we can take them down. They look to us to be 10 feet tall. They weigh 500 pounds. And just like Saul, we think there is no way I can take this thing down. And we end up hiding under our covers and sucking our thumb and hoping that thing goes away. And in and of ourselves, we feel like there's no way I can win. No matter how hard I've tried, because we have tried. And 40 days is what the Bible says about this story. 40 days, it's symbolic of just over and over and over and over and over. And that giant is still standing there. And that giant is still taunting me. And that giant is still making fun of me. Well, I want to give you some good news today. Maybe you're facing that giant. That giant hit a nerve deep in your spirit. And you're paralyzed and fearful and you've just about given up. You're not supposed to be the David to that giant. Let me give you some good news. In our story, the victory over Goliath was destined to be won by one man. Hallelujah. Goliath thought he had an innovation, but really he was just repeating what the devil had whispered in his ear. Do it different. Instead of army to army, you so big and bad, try to get them to face you individually. Strike fear in the hearts of every individual one of them, every single one of them. But what Goliath didn't know and what the devil didn't know is that what the devil meant for harm, God meant for good. Because that was God's plan all along. The devil was setting the stage to make the devil look good. But God was setting the stage to make God look good. That battle was ordained by God to be won, listen to this, by a son on a mission from his father, a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, who had been anointed to be the king. And when David entered into that arena, coming from another place, coming unto his own, and his own received him not, he knew this is my battle. This is my moment. And that army of Israel sat back and watched in amazement as David did for them what they could not do for themselves and they focused on his victory and they followed him into that incredible victory and they rallied 
went into the enemy's camp and took back everything that belonged to them. And whoever was on the side of David enjoyed the spoils of the victory. They got their faith back. They got their fight back. They got their confidence back. They got their dignity back. David put new life in them. Are you with me? Do you hear what I'm saying? I've got good news for you. I'm telling you, you don't have to be the David to the Goliaths in your life. You were never destined to win the victory over Goliath. But I know a shepherd who is the great shepherd from Bethlehem on a mission from his father, anointed to be the king of kings, the Christ who has defeated already every giant that you may be facing today. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The work of the cross, that is. Philippians 2.9 says, It tells us when Jesus defeated the enemy, that God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just like the name of David was greater than Goliath, I'm telling you today in the fear of God, the name of Jesus is stronger and greater than cancer or lack or fear or depression or whatever you may be facing, the enemy has been defeated. Give him some praise right now. Can you do it? I want faith to rise up in this house today. That's been my prayer all along. We don't have to fight these giants. Jesus fought them for us. He's given the victory to us. And in faith, in his name, we just follow him into that shared victory. Ephesians 4, after Christ defeated the enemy, it says in verse 7, But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he let captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Isaiah 53 says, when Jesus finished the work, he shared the spoils. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. David's one stone hit Goliath in the head and killed him. But so that the people, the armies of Israel could know it really was true, Goliath was dead. He took Goliath's own sword, cut Goliath's head off, and held that head up. And when the children of Israel saw that severed head, they knew he ain't coming back. He's been defeated. I'm here to tell you today in the fear of God, the seed of the woman prophesied about in Genesis 3, 15, has crushed the head of the serpent. I don't like snakes. I may have told you all this Wednesday night. We had a crazy huge crowd Wednesday night. Wow. 
That's, life, there's some exciting things going on at LifePoint right now, man. It's incredible. But Wednesday, not Wednesday night, but last week, Alexander was in the house, and he was leaving. He opens the front door, and he steps out. He goes, oh, Dad, there's a snake. And I walk out, and I see this snake. It was a weird-looking snake. And I said, hey, uh, go get the shovel out the garage. And so he's going to get the shovel out of the garage, and Mr. Sneaky Snake starts slivering. And I'm kind of in this thing like, hurry, hurry. And so he's hurrying. And right before my eyes, before, before I can even, like, think, the snake gets in between. He, he starts going up my slab into my stucco. Apparently there's a hole in my stucco underneath. I don't see it. And so he starts disappearing into my stucco. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm saying, hurry, get, get this up, hurry. And then I'm kind of like, should I smash, like stomp on it? And I'm kind of frozen. And it was like, like somebody eating spaghetti. It was like, and he disappeared into my wall, the wall of my house, which is connected to my utility room. So I run into the washroom, and I'm like, he's in this wall. And so I'm thinking, can he get in the house from this wall? So I'm looking at the outlets. There's a, a gas dryer in there with the, with the line coming in. And so I'm like, well, there's a tiny space there. I'm like, give me some duct tape. So I duct tape up the little tiny hole there. I'm looking around. Just, I'm just totally freaked out. There's a snake in my wall. Then I start thinking things like this, Jeff. How many other snakes are in my wall? Do all the snakes know about this hole? Is there a snake family? Generations of snakes in my walls. I'm freaking out, you know, just like I don't like snakes. You don't like snakes either. But I do know this. Hemingway, my cat, knows what to do with snakes. He brings them as sacrifices to me. The enemy's defeated when he gets done with them. Let me just tell you what. The enemy's defeated. Years ago, we were pastoring in Maryland, and, and we were struggling. We were planting a church, and we were trying to wrap our minds around that. We were very green. We didn't have a lot of experience. And so we were praying and asking God to give us victory. And I got real inspired. We've done this here at LifePoint. I got some engineer flags, some little uh, stake flags uh, with a little orange flag on top. And I said, we're going to pray over these flags and we're going we're gonna to write scriptures on them, and we're going to put them in the different parts of Hartford County and believe God to give us you know, victory from the north, south, east, and west, bring souls in. And so we've prayed and fasted over these little flags, and I got in my Miata because I've driven Miatas for a long time. Beautiful weather, had the top down. I'm praying. I got my flags, and I go to the north part of the county, south part of the county, east part of the county, west part of the county, and I put these flags down. And I'm on the east side, I'm butted up right to Baltimore County, and I stop at a park and ride thing they have there for mass transit, and, and I get out, and I walk over to the woods, kind of go into the woods, I'm going to plant this flag, and I'm praying, Lord, in Jesus' name, you know, the enemy's been defeated, and I pray, God, that you would just send souls, and, and I, plant, I go down to plant this flag, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a snake. It's Baltimore. It's different. It's different. Down here, every snake's poisonous. You know, they're all evil and wicked. I know they're not all poisonous. You know, I know we got garter snakes, and my, my cat is an equal 
uh, opportunity destroyer of snakes. He doesn't ask them if they're poisonous, but but this snake, you know, up there they've got you know all kind of friendly snakes, and so I, I see out of the corner of my eye a snake, and I don't know what kind it is. I just know it's big. I see this snake. I look and I back up. I'm like, whoa. More I look at it, it is a python, Ray, and it is it's coiled up. It's like it's massive, like this big around. It's huge. A python, a python, you know, National Geographic material. And I put the, I'm starting to put the flag back up, and I see it, and I uh, shiver me timbers, you know. Oh, my Lord, snake. Oh. Last thing I expected to see. But the more I looked at it, I saw some flies buzzing around. And I looked, and the snake had been defeated. The snake was dead. Still had his skin on and everything, but the snake was dead. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's the way the enemy you're afraid of is to me. Defeated. And it shook me, man, and it was a revelation. The things that I'm afraid of, my champion has already defeated. This past Tuesday night, I had a dream. So that was way back then. Fast forward, Tuesday night, I have a dream. And occasionally I get these snaky dreams. Some of them are bad pizza, granted. Some of them are my vivid imagination. Some of them very likely are National Geographic. But sometimes they're God dreams, and the enemy's always snake-like. And so I had this dream Tuesday night, and I was walking through a parking lot. I want to say it was Life Point, but I don't know for sure. It was a it was a concrete parking lot, and there was some water puddles here and there. It's been raining so much. We've got some out here, and in those puddles and a little bit off those puddles, there were snakes everywhere. There was a, some places to walk, but there were snakes, and I was you know shiver me timbers. I'm walking through a parking lot full of snakes, and so I'm kind of walking careful, you know, looking behind me and all, kind of doing that thing. And as I looked at them, I saw one in particular, and he was just gasping for air. Just, And he was in his last stages of having any life left. And I woke up, and I began to pray about that. And I believe what the Lord was saying is, in this room today, there are people, you've been afraid of giants, the enemy. And they are giants that you've not been able to defeat on your own. But you need to understand, Jesus is your champion. You're not in this battle by yourself. And He's already defeated them. You need to step out in faith and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to take my deliverance. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to take my healing. In the name of Jesus, I'm going for my provision. In the name of Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm not going to sit back and be paralyzed in fear and think my future's been wiped out. No, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other in the name of Jesus. I'm getting out of bed today. I'm going to work today. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything you've called me to do in Jesus' name. Can you give him praise right now? Hallelujah. Stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. I'm going to tell you, whatever giants you've been facing, Jesus has already won the victory. He is your champion. And He wants to share that victory with you.
David asked before he slew Goliath, he said, what shall be given to the man who kills this giant? The answer was a bride. You know why Jesus defeated the giants in your life? So he could have a bride, the church, the body of Christ. David was fighting for a bride. Now I want to give an altar call. It's got three parts to it, so I want you to listen very carefully. This may be the end of our service, but it could be the beginning of the rest of your life. So I want you to listen. The first thing I want to say is, if you have never turned, and what an amazing Sunday we had last Sunday. Paul, God touched your life so amazingly. That was beautiful. There's some others. Listen to me. If you've never turned to Jesus, I don't mean religiously, but I mean really turn to Him like I surrender all kind of stuff. The Bible calls that repentance. Or maybe you've turned to Him in the past and you say to yourself, I walked away. I wonder if He'd take me back. I want to tell you from the Bible and from my own experience, yes, He will take you back. His mercy is everlasting. Can I get an amen? And, and so, listen, we have a ministry team up here waiting who can help you get to Jesus. But I'm not done. Secondly, if you've never been water baptized, it's a strange ritual, right? But I mean dumped, immersed in the name above every name, the saving name of Jesus. We have a baptistry over here that's filled with good, clean, filtered, warm water. I want to tell you something. I wanted to make it attractive. At Walmart, they have these little glow balls that float in your pool. And I thought, would it be inappropriate for me to get some pretty glow balls? I mean, Jesus, people, mission, right? And put them in the baptistry. And Valerie said, yes, that would be inappropriate. But it was just a thought. But we've got good, clean, filtered, warm water over here. We've got a change of clothes. I mean, we've got hair dryers, towels, hair product. We've got whatever it takes. If you've never been baptized in that wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus, the Bible says, washing away your sin, calling on the name of the Lord. That can be done. We have a team who is willing and able to help you this morning make that journey to Jesus. Third, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, and what I mean by that is to the overflow where you speak in tongues, I know we've all felt the presence of God at times, and I know speaking in tongues sounds a little weird. But I want to tell you something. Filled to the point of speaking in tongues, there is something so powerful and essential for everyone on their journey to Jesus. we got a ministry team that can help you go there. Maybe you've gone there in the past, but it's been a long, long time. It can happen today again because His mercy is everlasting. Amen? He's always got an open door. I want to tell you, if any of these apply to you today, this is your moment. This is your moment. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. Father, I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the mercy of the living God. I thank you for the arms of the Father that are open wide. I thank you, Lord, for those who have faced giants and wondered, will I ever get past this giant will I ever get on the other side of this valley and you've come to whisper in their ears you've come to shout it in their ears 
Yes, I've already defeated the enemy. You can get to the other side. I am your champion. I've done for you what you could not do for yourself. 